Well, hello and welcome to episode 203 of The Cool Room. I'm your host, David Griffiths, and looking forward to sharing with you today an excellent live show that we did recently out at Masterson's in Mooney Ponds. I had a great time out there in the afternoon. A big thanks to Pete and to Jill, who you hear from uh, as the episode goes on. A great bar out there. If you've not dropped out there before, thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it. Really good lineup of beers on tap. Really good lineup of beers in the fridge. Really good people behind the bar, of course. And uh, lots of breweries that you will be familiar with from the cool room. They have a tasting beer, very much like my own, which obviously means they have great taste tasting beer. Uh, a big thank you to them for introducing us to Bell's Beach Brewing, who we sat down with uh, and had a good yarn. Uh, as ever, with live shows, there's always a little few quirks and foibles. Uh, this time, not so much with the sound, but with Mr Warren Wu, uh, who struggles, as you will hear, to figure out what the names of our two guests are, even while he's sitting across the table from them. Uh, and so if you get confused, don't worry, Mr Warren Wu was equally confused, but we got there in the end. Uh, some great beers, really loved their yuzu beer uh, in all my time tasting yuzu beers. I reckon Bell's Beaches might be the best that I've ever had. So if you get your chance to get your lips around that or any of their other beers, I thoroughly recommend that you do so. Uh, and obviously a big thanks to everyone who came out and joined us live at Masterson's on a Sunday afternoon. Always great to see the cool rumens out there. Always great to have people interacting who, uh, who know each other from online. Things like uh, people who post on the Sunday afternoons their favourite beers and then get together and can actually talk about them. And um, the next opportunity to do that is going to be when we do our live show at the Williamstown Beer and Cider Festival. Tickets on sale for that now, not through us, but through the Williamstown Beer and Cider Festival. But we're going to have a special spot put aside for us where we can interview brewers in front of you all if you're out there. Go and uh, visit the Williamstown Beer and Cider Festival's uh, pod uh, uh, their website. Grab your tickets while they're still available. I know the pre-sale tickets are out now. Uh, so go and grab your tickets and come along and join us at Williamstown. And, look, an opportunity to join us online in uh, November as well. We've got two really good breweries coming and joining us. We've got Escape Brewing joining us. And after a bit of confusion, we've also got Maddock Brewing joining us. Uh, not confusion from us, not confusion from the brewery. Uh, a bit of confusion by someone who got the entirety of the first shipment delivered to them even though they're not a, uh, well, anything other than a stainless steel manufacturing business. So more of that story when they come and join us uh, in the Thursday night Zoom rooms. Grab your beers for that by visiting our online store, a great way to support us uh, and a great way to grab some great beers. Have them in front of you on a Thursday night while you're lying in your hammock listening to the cool room live. That way you get to ask your questions direct to the brewers. And look, we're already lining up things for December as well. And a couple of really big announcements. Talk about exciting stuff. Really happy to be able to share that Adroit Theory are going to be joining us live in December all the way from the US. Uh, many of you will probably have fond memories of them joining us deep in the middle of lockdowns uh, where they were part of the Carwin Cellars Magnificent Seven. Uh, so we're going to have them live on with a really special package of beer that is still out on the oceans at the moment, making its way to Australia. Don't miss out on that opportunity. Make sure you follow our socials because that one's going to sell out quick for sure. And look, even bigger news than that. Hard to imagine bigger news that 
possibly could happen to the cool room than to say that we actually have real, live, hard copy, real T-shirts coming very, very soon. Uh, if you jump onto our website, you'll be able to grab a T-shirt or grab a hoodie, show your support of the cool room, make sure you wear it to beer festivals and you'll be the talk of the town. Uh, and a big thank you to our friend and regular uh, visitor to the Thursday night Zoom room, Mark, for helping out behind the scenes on that. That's such exciting stuff. It's been five years now, obviously more than five years. Every episode we talk multiple times about T-shirts and now it's finally going to happen. T-shirts and hoodies online now in the merch section of our Shopify store. Rightio, let's get underway with the chat that we had out at Masterson's Bar with Bells Beach, my good friend and somewhat confused at times co-host, Mr Warren Wu. Masterson's in beautiful Mooney Ponds, surrounded by cool room fans who are in the background there, and they're going to make a lot of noise right now. Because that's the kind of people they are. It's excellent to be sitting here. It's a beautiful, sunny spring Sunday, and I'm sitting next to my good friend, Mr Warren Wu. We were supposed to start about an hour, an hour and a half ago, and we've gone down quite a number of rabbit holes in the meantime, Mr Wu. <laughs> How is your Sunday afternoon unfolding? Um, yeah, great. You know, it's a beautiful Sunday here in, in uh, Masterson's in in on Pasco Vale Road and Mooney Ponds. Um, yes, very good. And I'm glad we got all those rabbit holes out of the, out of the way early so we could actually get down to the important things. Um, we, are joined, we, are, we are joined today by uh, Doug and Adam from Bells Beach Brewing, which is amazing. Thanks for joining us, guys. Yeah, I'm um, glad I printed that out and put it in front of you just so we could be sure. Yeah, 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 because otherwise that could have been a bit of a disaster. Um, so, yeah, Bells Beach Brewing, I love this. Um, we are going to do our traditional cool room thing and get you to introduce each other. So, uh, Adam, would you like to introduce Doug for us and give us a bit of a rundown on what he does, when he started, what's going on there? Sure. Um, so Doug and I first met when we very first opened our bar um, in Torquay, December in 2018, and Doug came in as a patron, talks a lot. And, um, <laughs> yeah, we, we quite quickly became quite good friends, and then um, he was in the hospital game then as well, so we obviously needed bar staff, um, and he came and worked for us in that instance. Then we lost him during COVID, which was a real disaster. Um, he missed out on JobKeeper by six weeks, which was very disappointing. Oh. So he slipped out of the fold for a couple of years there, and then, um, yeah, about uh, just over 12 months ago, we managed to snaffle him back as a wholesale rep. Uh, Doug, what, uh, what's his favourite beer when he's not drinking uh, Bell's Beach beer? I would say, he's probably a Corona man. <laughs> <laughs> a bit lightweight. Yeah. Yeah. He has that ne sort of look about him. Yeah, need, <laughs> need citrus with his, yeah, with exactly. his beer. Yeah, definitely a lime in the, in the beer, man. I love it. And uh, write a reply for <laughs> write a reply there. Adam, tell us a little bit about Doug. Oh, just did. oh sorry, <laughs> other way around. I knew I'd screw that up. It's it's the I live mean, shows. It's always the live shows. I mean, it's so much easier. What's going to happen if we ever have ten people on the show? Like, you know, we've got two. Anyway. So my um my first instance of, of meeting the guys was at the, uh, the I think it was the Surf Coast Beer Festival that was held at. Little creatures, um, and the boys had just—the boys had just got the brewery um, up off the ground. Um, I remember coming away, um, pretty boozed that day, saying to my wife, "I'll work for those guys one day." And um, 
sort of where it all came about. They opened a venue conveniently close to our house at the time we were living in Torquay and um, we didn't have to walk as far so it, um, it, it quickly became home for us and, um, and like Adam mentioned, we, um, I was in the hospital game um, working at Deakin University at the time and was ready for a change and it all kind of aligned perfectly. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, and what's Adam's favourite craft beer? Adam's favourite craft beer? Oh, no, actually, I've just realised. You didn't describe what Adam does. <laughs> so Adam is, um, Adam is, our, is, the, is one of the two founding members, um, and he's got many sort of feathers in his hat these days. He, he oversees the operation of our two venues um, and does all of our HR, does some sales stuff with me. Um, he's sort of here, there, and everywhere. That's probably safe to say at the moment. Um, I love the founding members. It makes it sound more like a band. And I think we're going to get a bit of sort of music talk because the first rabbit hole we went down today, Queens of the Stone Age, I mean, let's not bury the lead. Absolutely. Coming to play live at the brewery, I believe. The... That's right, yeah. <laughs> we've, um, we've just booked them for a sideshow. Um, <laughs> uh, Adam's quite an accomplished guitarist himself, and if you're lucky enough to rock in on a random Wednesday night, you'll, um, you'll often hear them thrashing it out. Um, <laughs> We're also told a random Monday night, even though that may not be strictly within the uh, limits of what council likes down there, and um, there's nothing like a local government discussion breaking out on the podcast. <laughs> I found out their music prowess the hard way. So at the Christmas party last year, I was actually sleeping in the brewery, and what I thought was the conclusion of the Christmas party, I went to bed for the brewery to be opened up again late, and um, yeah, there was music played to very, very late. Four o'clock in the morning. In the morning. Yeah, yeah. I had a full day of repping planned for the following day. <laughs> Um, Doug, what's Adam's favourite uh, favourite beer? That it's not a, a Bell's Beach. Yeah, that's a that's a really tough question. I thank him for recommending Corona. <laughs> I don't think I've drank one of those in twenty years. He's British, so it'll um it'd be some sort of hand pumped pumps, kind of brown ale, brown ale yeah, or something yeah. along that. Too, yeah. Too um, so off the top of my head, I'm yeah I'm thinking a, a Green King IPA or a. Um, something sort of you know, generic that you would find in a, in a Birmingham pub. <laughs> what I like about this is that it's very clear who's the employer and who's the employed <laughs> in this relationship early as to who, who thinks they can get away with saying, oh, he drinks Corona, and yeah. who thinks, i better say that he's got, he has some slightly craft beer sort of <laughs> tendencies. I love it. That's excellent. Um, okay, so we'll open this one up to the floor. Tell us a little bit about uh, where you guys are, how it all began, what's the, yeah, I suppose, what's the deal? I'm assuming um, even now international guests will know where Bell's Beach is. Lots of palm trees and stuff. Yeah, I mean, they've seen Keanu Reeves <laughs> yeah, movies, so it's right, basically yeah. a documentary. Yeah. Just imagine that if you're... Uh, yeah, Heinrich, our listener from Norway, who might be the only listener we have in the whole world, it's got to be said, he may not know where Bell's Beach is, so paint him a bit of a picture for him. First of all, hi, Heinrich. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, we, that excites him when he gets referred to by name. We haven't had swell at Bell's Beach since Keanu was yeah. there for Point Break. Um, yeah, they chopped the palm trees back. Yeah, and the palm trees are unfortunately gone. Adam's probably better positioned than me to tell the story of... Mm. So, uh, John and I are both English, and we both ended up on the surf coast. We worked for Ford as car engineers. And um, we go drinking quite a lot. And we were reminiscing <laughs> or kind of extolling the virtues of living on the surf coast. It's a beautiful part of the world. Um, Bell's Beach, but the whole area down there is fantastic. <clears throat> and the only thing we both missed was decent beer and a good pub. And uh, so we set about fixing those two problems. Basically, we're engineers, right? We, we, we fix problems. problems. Yeah. And we, uh, to fix them. So we both started homebrewing. And we kind of had our own little streams whilst we learned. And then... Once we thought we had something that was kind of vaguely drinkable, we 
like engineers would do, we tried to make sure we could make the same thing five times. And if I made a beer and he made a beer, it all tasted the same. You couldn't tell the difference. Mm-hmm. So it was probably about a three-year journey of just doing home brewing and learning how the brewing process worked in, in good detail. <clears throat> and then uh, 2015, Jono's partner had a baby, so he had a couple of months off work, and I had some money knocking around. It's like, dude, if we don't do this now, we'll just die dreaming about it. And we'd already had the conversation about Bell's Beach Brewing. It's got a nice ring to it. Mm. And... Uh, we bought the URL in the pub. So we Googled it. No one had it. So we bought the .com.au and the .com URL awesome. in the pub. And then it took us probably another sort of 18 months to kind of actually get the business off the ground. Actually buy some brewing equipment, that sort of thing? Well, no, we didn't. We had our homebrew kits, but at that point we didn't have anything commercial scale. Uh, so we did our first batch of Saison, bizarrely. It's a crazy commercial decision back then. Um, at Cavalier in Derrimut, end of 2015. And I guess it, it, was a, it was a crazy decision commercially, but at the time we weren't doing it for a living, so um, it was just the best beer that we had, um, a beer we both liked. The kind of decision was like, well, what's the worst going to happen if no one else drinks it? We'll just have some awesome parties drinking our beer. Um, Saison, for new listeners, is maybe not the most sort of, you know, commercially it's marketable it's style. It's a, yeah, I can't remember who it was who said, but that sort of great line about Saison is called stays on, as in stays on the shelf. So... <laughs> Yeah, that's... I, yeah. Um, did I amuse you, Warren? Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, that was quite good. Yeah, whoever thought of that was, yeah. Well, I, can, I can attest yeah, to that, I can, we, we did, like, 3,000 litres all into keg, thinking that we'd just better walk around the pubs and sell it. And after two months of not sing, selling a single keg, realising that all the taps in Geelong area are all owned by CUB and they can't help mm. your beer on. And actually, not many people... They do like a Saison, but they're not going to drink 10 pints of it at a time sort of thing. Um, was a terrible commercial. Not even after a cat's win. <laughs> um, ah, that confuse Heinrich. Yeah, that will. Yeah, Heinrich will have no idea what's going on about that. Um, so that begs the question, and we're going to go a little bit off topic here. What did you? Oh, I suppose it's not off topic. Actually, it's perfectly on topic. What did you actually do with the saison that didn't sell? I know it's a. So we. Um, Illegally repackaged it into bottles because at the time we had to pay duty and we'd already paid the duty. Oh, yeah. So yeah. We, um, we this is the first people have to edit out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We repackaged it into bottles, which is much easier to sell. Um, and then the rest of it, we've, eventually, we got through. Lucky, we just chipped away at it. Fortunately, a saison actually lasts very well. Mm. We were searching for uh, kegs uh, probably two years ago and we found uh, two kegs of the original saison in Peter Sadler's car park. Been sat in their car park for two years. Are you implying that perhaps Peter Sadler's logistics aren't up to, you know? Well, the... I can absolutely attest to it because yeah, they were terrible. It's basically 201 episodes of me just dissing Peter Sadler, so it's fine to. <laughs> but, it, but we cracked them and they actually tasted all right. You could tell they were fresh out of the box, but they were. Thanks, Peter good. Sadler. What a great, what a great organisation. <laughs> because it was you can tell who works in Hospo by what, what level of laughs you get about a Peter Sadler joke. <laughs> Um, so yeah, let's, we should we should actually talk a little bit about the beer because before we get too much further. Um, we're starting with the the Cineside Colch, uh, and as we mentioned off the top, uh, beautiful sunny day here. Um, excellent beer for that. Uh, tell us about the Colch and when what what made you decide the Colch would be the way to go. Uh, give us a little bit of a tour of the beer as well. So, um, John and I both work for Ford as car manufacturers, and one of their big development centres in Europe is in Cologne, so I'll go to Cologne maybe three or four times a year. Huh. So I've drunk thousands of gallons of Kolsch. Yep. 
And um, yeah, it's a really nice, refreshing beer. It's kind of like a, it's an ale yeast, but done like a lager. Mm-hmm. Um, so really crisp and refreshing. Yeah, not too flavoursome. It doesn't really palate out. It's, on a day like today, you can literally drink it all day. Yeah. Um, yep. So we, we do a we do a German style beer every October, um, and we've done Fest beers, Hefeweizen is one of my favourites. Those are the cultures that are kind of next in the line. Given that we we've got a good palate for a Kolsch, and like we know what Kolsch should taste like. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And what should we be tasting in the glass? Give well, I mean, one of the things about it, it's, it's a very sort of straightforward and simple beer. So, you know, in terms of the grist, it's Pilsen Malt, a little bit of Vienna for colour, and just a little bit of wheat. Um, so no big sort of, um, sort of malt flavour. It's also quite subtle on the hop front. Just a few kind of like uh, yeast-driven flavours, but it's just basically a really easy drinking session beer. Traditional hops, or are you using something a bit more Australian? just to... Tetanang, just straight Tetanang. Um... It's interesting that you... It's, it's great that you do the German styles of the, the, in October, and it kind of makes a lot of sense. Um, did So, going back to your roots, I'm interested that you... The idea was you missed the English pub experience, and, and having lived that, I can completely understand, because it's, it's an amazing culture. Um, were you tempted to do the traditional English, we joked about it, but yeah, were you tempted to go uh, English styles and stick down that route? Was that so the Our very start? first IPA we did was an English style IPA, so very malt driven, and it's another one that's just a commercial draft, so we took it out. The samples <laughs> and all the, all the Australian barers went, hey, it's way too malty, there's no hops, like you yeah. I can't sell that. So um, yeah, we did try that, and we do do some English style beers, so our brown ale's very English, and sad. we have hand pump versions of those things, we sell hand pump beer to um, Charles Dickens in Collins Street. Oh, great, um, yeah. Proper cast conditions, um, which is, you know, it's kind of interesting. In a, in a, without them taking it, and they go through quite a lot, we wouldn't do it for ourselves because we put a cask on it, it would go off in four weeks. We yep. pulled like five pints out of it because no one in Australia really drunk 30-degree mm, yeah. beer. Uh, is this, this good... sort of a thing where Doug keeps on coming back to the brewery at the end of the day and going, guys, I just need something that we can, you know, sell to the rest of the pubs in Melbourne? Or, you know, what's your role in all this? Every time the guys go, we found another brown ale recipe. Well, I actually stumbled across a pub in Warrnambool, coincidentally, that had a hand pump the other day, and I got really, really excited. So, um, look, there is a large enough expat community, and we and Adam probably understates it a little bit, but even in Torquay, there's an expat community when our hand pumps are running, um, yeah. where they're absolutely about it, um, because it's a real point of difference. You don't see a huge amount of it around. No, you don't. Now, as a matter of fact, I had a brown owl at um, the courthouse in North Melbourne the other day. So there yeah. you go. Um, it's a delicious. It's, like, it's I, one of the yeah. missed styles in Australia. Yeah, like it's couldn't agree more. Thing. Yeah, I think so too. And it's just like one of those beers where where. It works terrifically with food. Like, we're always talking about food and beer and on the podcast. And I think, yeah, it's it's just got enough weight behind it where it works with, with food. So, yeah, I'm... You'll, you'll, you'll have, I'm just writing down at the moment. We can have Jill from Masterson's on in a second. And the first question now has to be, when's the hand pump coming in? So just make a note that that one's getting added to the question sheet. I'm surprised there's... the sound of my pen and paper in the background. Um... Okay, so back to the... Yeah, back to the journey. What's... So, um... You're, when did the, the tap room open? What's the, when was, was so we, that a part of so the we had, so equation? So 2016, we kind of filled in the range. We had a pale ale, an IPA, uh, like we did a blonde ale, something a bit lighter. <clears throat> and it got to the point where it was pretty much all of our spare time was spent doing something in the beer world with the brewing, with contract brew, but then packaging or trying to sell it. And I went to uh, a beer festival in uh, Launceston and Mick from Pirate Life 
told their story from start to finish. It was fantastic. And there was a few light bulb moments in there for me. Like, you know, one of them was like, if you think you're going to start off home brewing and kind of build this brewing empire, I can tell you now, you're probably going to die before you get there. Like, it doesn't work like that. At some point, you've got to... It's our first T-shirt of the day. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're going to have to, at some point, you have to go, go and get some money and build a brewery if you want to be serious about it. Mm. It's like, yeah, I came back from that trip going, Jono, we either need to go to back home brewing and just have some good parties and some cheap good beer that we can make ourselves. We'll grow some balls and build a brewery. So, yep. 2018, we built the brewery and the tap room, so we ended, opened up in the end of 2018. While still also then still working full time at Ford, so I'd work 60 hours a week at Ford. We'd get home at like seven o'clock, wow. put bites to eat, change my grass, we go to the brewery, we work till two o'clock in the morning every day. Oof. See, I have this vision, you know. Everyone sort of, you know, finds a way just to move a couple of little things out of the factory that they're working in, you know, home, whether it's just some, whether it's some safety tiles, whether it's a bit of, you know, tubing. You know those sort of special robots they use to build cars? As, as Ford was slowly exiting Geelong, is that more or less how the factory's set up? Is it a whole lot of little weird arms moving around with zappy laser things that's producing the beers? Or? Not yet, but we'll get there. That's, that's, <laughs> I love it. The Elon Musk of, uh, of, of um, beer brewing. Well, I actually quite, <laughs> I actually quite, quite like the guys. Oh, yes. Yeah, okay, yeah, different... different. The, the future of beer reps will be robots out on the road. Yeah, just... <laughs> yeah, that's... Oh, we should... How, how many kegs do you reckon you could put in the back of one of those Tesla trucks? That's the real question. Oh, and one of the... Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, not many. It's... Yeah, it's... Well, let's, let's leave that. Um, Adam, and for you, uh, when you... So... Uh, yeah... Oh, Doug, I keep on doing that, don't I? This is going to be, yeah. You keep looking at me. Yeah, I keep on, yeah, which Doug's is good. Look good-looking one. Remember that. <laughs> oh, look at that. There's love. Um, so having, having, a, having a, a, a brewery which is tied so tightly to, an, to a specific area, how much do you have to... Kind of tie in how you you move beer to other venues with with the, the identity of of, kind of the region. So, we we traditionally try to hug ourselves to the coast. Yep. Um, we have some really great traction all the way from you know Torquay and Geelong all the way down to you know Warrnambool and Portland now, and um, obviously synonymous with our connection to the the coast and mm. with the ocean. And as a surfer myself, um, it's kind of on brand to keep our stuff as close to the water as possible. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, I, I find my role to be pretty easy, not easy, but um, it's a lot easier um, when I sort of say coastal. Um, we do a little bit of work up in Ballarat now, which is really cool. There's a couple of great pubs up there that are good supporters of us. Um, but yeah, our story is about our connection to the ocean and the sea, and our beers are named after surf breaks or references to surf culture. Yep. Um, so for us, that kind of sells itself. Um, the cans, um, tap decals are all branded in surf imagery and, what, and whatnot. So, um, so for me, they the, the gravitation towards the coast is a natural progression. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, great. I, I can see how that works in sort of, you know, Monday morning business meetings as well, which is, you know, when the guys say, do you reckon you could hit, head inland and sell some beer? And you go, oh, no, our thing is coastal, <laughs> as you strap the next surfboard on top of the car. And it's interesting. It's like, I guess I'm going to have to go down the coast it, again. It's interesting. Yeah. My sales runs at times, I'm probably convealing a little bit too much here, but um, if the surf's good, like, you better believe I'm going to lawn. Yeah. And, and it's, you get very windy days on Lake Wendoree, so I can understand why you go to Ballarat. So. Well, one of the things with the brand, though, as well, is... Um, 
like I used to do a lot in China and India when I worked at Ford. Mm. And those guys, you know, if you go to Nanjing, they see sunlight maybe twice a year. It's just a white fur. <clears throat> so they've got this, you know, a lot of those guys have been to Australia and they've been to Bells Beach and they've seen this blue sky and this amazing ocean. You're selling a dream to them, you know. When they're sat in their dingy little, you know, 14-hour day in, in Nanjing, yep. the dream of having a picture of Doug on the front of an end of <laughs> drinking a beer, like it's kind of like an aspiration. My wife would probably disagree about me being a dream, but, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Look, let's maybe just wrap things up with the Kolsch. Um, sort of, we, we love to hear about people's first beers and things like that, but perhaps is there a particular time you were drinking Kolsch in Germany that you really remember, like a specific time and place and things like that, or is there something about that kind of beer culture that appeals to you? Well, I mean, the, the beer culture definitely. Like, I, I've got my taste for the beer in Germany, mostly in the south of Germany, but, like, it is, it is a cultural thing there. Like, mm. beer is cheaper than water. Everyone drinks beer. Um, and like you can go on a Tuesday night and drink 15 pints and no one even bat an eyelid like this is a normal thing to do um, so yeah just I think just that the fact that it's so ingrained in the culture and people take it so seriously and you know it's, it's kind of immovable no, no one could ever take that away um, it's one of the reasons why we love doing German styles Cause, and again as well they don't care about commerciality and all those sort of things they'll never do a Nipah in Germany the Rheingast but um, but the, their lagers, their kolsches, Hefeweizens are absolutely perfect. You know the, the definition. And, and Doug, have you sort of put in for a you know company paid tour just to go over and check that this is the case it's in Germany? Interesting question. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I certainly think there would be a um, there'd be a really compelling argument. That mm, I think there's a lot of value in that yeah, sending yeah, in yeah, a Germany. We talk about value adds to our business all the yeah. time. That certainly seems like a value add. And surfs up on the Rhine, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they've got no. They've got what, they've a whole bunch of those standing waves down the yeah, right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk amongst yourselves. Yeah, we yeah. could certainly make something work. Yeah. All right, let's take a couple minute break for us to grab the next beer, and um, yeah, we'll be right back. Well, we're back here. We're about to have our second of the beautiful Bells Beach Brewing Beers. We, uh, we've shown that not only do we distract ourselves in the cool room Zoom room on a Thursday night uh, between beers yeah. uh, by asking the best questions, getting the best answers, we can do it live as well because we've had some great chats here, Mr Warren Wu, in the meantime while the recording has been turned off. Yeah, it's pretty typical of us to, to yeah, burn all the good material while the mic's off. So, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, but, yeah, Doug, tell us... Tell us a little bit. Oh, Warren's correctly identified Doug. <laughs> yeah, isn't he amazing? Isn't <laughs> I've only got a run. That's a great question, David. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> um, give us a rundown of this beer. What do you What do you taste? What do you like about it? What, how? Like when when it's available to be sold? How do you sell it? <laughs> Uh, so the, the, the Yuzu, the Kaifu Yuzu Pale Ale um, was a beer that we released 2022, um, where we had access to a reasonable amount of, of Yuzu. Um, sort of made a bespoke appearance this year um, off the back of a request from the guys here at Masterson's Bar. Um, it's a lovely, well-balanced um, Pale Ale, since it's at 5%. Um, it's made with, correct me if I'm wrong here, it's got a little bit of mosaic in it, a little bit of SARS, um, and really prominent yuzu sort of mm. flavours to it, um, sort of since beautifully golden colour, um, once again, sort of pale malt, um, a beer that, yeah, 
we, we really liked. And Gillian loved enough that she sort of rang me up and was like, um, are you going to do this again? And uh, we, we really struggled to get our hands on some yuzu this year. The, I don't know if anyone remembers, but spring last year was incredibly wet for everyone. Oh, yeah. um, and the, the harvest for yuzu uh, last year was pretty poor. So we rang our yuzu supplier and... Um, couldn't really get our hands on too much. So we made 100 litres this year, and um, they came to Masterson's Bar. For, for people who are, you know, say from Norway and called Heinrich and may not be <laughs> as familiar with the yuzu production uh, process as those of us in Victoria where you can barely walk down the street without tripping over <laughs> another bloody yuzu tree, uh, can you tell us, is a yuzu like a shitzu or exactly what is it? And, again, give us a bit of an idea for people who don't have the, right, uh, the flavours in front of them. So it's a bit like um, it's a citrus fruit. So um, if you don't have a yuzu, you can blend it with like a bit of lime, a bit of lemon, a bit of mandarin. So mm. imagine all those flavours mixed together. Um, and for this beer, we, we ended up doing um, we get the zest and do a, like a dry hop with zest essentially. So you get all those essential oils and all those flavours come out lay in the beer, and uh, it's the best way to get the fresh flavour. We tried it when we did the trials with um, yuzu juice. And basically, if you put it in through the fermentation, you lose 80% of the flavour. It doesn't come through at the end. So, yeah, the zest was the way. Uh, us Pilsner lovers really like how SARS comes out on the, on the palate and that, that really lovely bitterness. Um, but there seems to be a little bit extra. Do you think that's coming from the... I, don't, um, I could be just guessing, but the yuzu itself, does that add a little bit of bitterness as Absolutely. well? Yeah, it's got like a kind of bitter, pithy kind of mm. flavour at the end. Yeah, yeah, which is delicious. Kind of makes sense. It's really weird, but it makes complete sense with the beer. It just kind of carries on and, yeah, really crisp and, yeah, once again, delightful beer for, for a summer's day. The other question I forgot, I, I want to particularly ask about this one. Where's Kafu? 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 Kafu. I don't surf enough... Torquay breaks to next to Nitham. Ah, we're about to. All right, so tell us about um, Kerfu. Corfu. And, a... and Kaifu was. Oh, Kaifu. So, what, what we do when we. When we... Doug. When we do a beer with something exotic, we'll look for a surf break in that area. So, ah. kind of traditionally, yuzu is like a Japanese fruit. Yep. Using a lot of Japanese cuisine. So, I went and looked for a Japanese surf break. So, it's in Japan. I saw. Aha, I see. Are we sending Doug there too for, for some research? Into... I think we absolutely should. I think that the world tour of Doug is just about to begin. I think our Monday morning meetings for it's going to be pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm going to take up the next bit because I'm really worried, Warren, that you're going to mix up Jill and Pete from Masterson. <laughs> we're sitting down with Jill. We're going to get a bit of the story of the bar here as well. The guys were very good uh, at introducing where Bell's Beach is for Heinrich from Norway, but... Give us a little bit of the flavour of the bar, where we're sitting right now. You know, yep. where are we in the world? We are in Mooney Ponds, um, Pasco Vale Road, um, just up from the swimming pool for those people who know the area. Heinrich knows it well. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> He's been to that swimming pool before, He's been to, I'm sure. He only ever yeah. goes when it's shut down and the ducks are swimming around on it. So we yeah. must be getting towards the end of duck swimming pool season, I imagine. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Anyway, yeah, we've been open for coming up six years in May, so quite a while. I think our opening probably coincided with your opening um, yeah, at Bell's Beach. Place. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's the story of Masterson's. We moved back from Hong Kong, opened this place, and, yeah, been here ever since. And how did you fellas discover Bell's Beach? Because, you know, they've obviously got a big following 
down wherever anyone, well, actually, where Doug likes to surf. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but how did you guys learn about them first? Yeah, so my parents live in Torquay, and um, obviously everywhere we go as a couple, we check out what craft beer is in the area. Um, so one, obviously one time we were down in Torquay, we checked, Googled craft beer, and, and these guys came up, and, yeah, we went and visited them and been dealing with them ever since. Awesome. But, you know, but the question was sort of going to be, you know, normally, you know, what catches your eye, or in this case, what caught your tongue about this particular beer? Why were you asking the guys about this one? So Peter and I had a yuzu pale ale in Hong Kong when we were living there, and it was amazing. And when we got back here, you know, trying all the Australian craft beers, we there was nothing on the market like it. There was a couple of yuzu sours that year, but nothing that was kind of pale ale or, or lager. And so we came down to visit you guys and said, you know, would you be interested in doing a collab? And this is what we're thinking. And they looked at us like... What? <laughs> and we're like, no, 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 it works, it works, I promise you. <laughs> anyway, they went off and did some research and came up with this beer and it was amazing. So, yeah, we were absolutely thrilled. One of the best things about collabs is you kind of do things that you wouldn't. It's a, it's a different influence to you. It, tell us the other side of that story. When someone wanders in and goes, we want this ingredient in a beer, do you, was there sort of a... Uh, that was great. I mean, the, one of the things with you know, people like Julian and Pete... <laughs> Craft beer people anyway, anyway, if they come to the brewery, you know, it's like royalty, because they're, they're our main customers, right? Mm. They're the people who get all the feedback. Royalty, no less. <laughs> so yeah, when, yeah, they, when they ask for like something, we, we try and find a way to say yes. So we did a couple of trial brews, and like it's, it's an interesting flavour. With the first one, we had ginger as well. Trying to oh, get the balance yeah. between the yuzu and the ginger was, you know, a bit, we had a couple of loops on that. But, um, yeah, once it, it's one of those things you kind of struggle, you know, scratch your head, how's that going to work? And then you get, yeah, actually it works really well. And we've done a couple since, so we've done some really experimental stuff this year. We've done a, a beetroot saison um, that was bright pink. It was really quite interesting, but really yummy. Um, yeah, but, uh, there are some cool rumours in the back of the bar here making some happy noises about that, I've got to say. <laughs> um, I think we did, a, we did a black garlic imperial stout as well. Um, we made like a tincture and, and, and influence, <laughs> and that was... Yeah, so um, we're kind of open to the idea of this sort of stuff, and that's where the fun is in the brewing world, mm -hmm. is when people come to us and say, hey, what do you think about this? And we'll go, well, let's give us a go. Did my ban off the IPA idea get mentioned in the Monday morning meeting at all? It's been mentioned, yeah. yeah. It's, it's on the list. How did it go down? <laughs> it was mentioned. <laughs> it was mentioned. Um, and in terms of collabs, have you done many? Have you guys had the opportunity to, to do a few? Uh, not really. We've done, we've done, we've got a few in the pipeline, but we haven't done very many at all. To Ooh, what are the ones in the pipeline? Have you so um, in... we've done. We doubled our brewery capacity two years ago. Yep. So obviously, it takes a little while to build your sales up to fill that. So we've done a lot of contract brewing in the last eighteen months, and um, we've got really close with the uh, paper rock scissors guys out of Falls Gap. We do all of their package brewing. Oh yep. And again, you know, it's just different influences. So a couple of things, they're really into music, ticks the box. Pat's really into motorbikes, ticks the box. We drink quite a lot of beer when they come brewing, ticks the box. Um, and it, you know, it just brings a different kind of like, oh, I'd never thought of putting that with that. But actually, we taste it and it's, oh, it's fantastic. So we're going to do some stuff with them next winter when that's kind of the volume start to kind of, give, we get some capacity. Awesome. At the moment, we're flat out doing double batches of pale ale and lager and yeah, all the things in the cellar of the summer. So you've got to wait for that kind of froth to settle down a little bit, mm -hmm. probably March next year, and then we'll kind of do some stuff next year. We've also got a, um, a, a 
quite an interesting little collab proposal at the moment for our Gabs entry for next year. So I'm working oh, with the Melbourne, uh, working with the Melbourne Brewery. Um, uh, so there's a there's a little bit of chat at the moment. So it's quite exciting. Cool. We normally this is normally about the time we get our first scoop of the day. So you know we can put a little bit of pressure on here. Sure. You can. You can name breweries. You can name drop them. So yeah. there's, there's been some preliminary conversations with the guys at Temple. Um, yeah, cool. Um, about Lovely. us doing some collab stuff for, for, for a Gab's entry next year. But and it kind of shows how small the brewing world is. So the head brewer at Temple now used to work for Blackman's, so we know them really well from yep. Blackman's days. Um, and, you know, just through the conversation and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's all it also shows how small the local government world is because, of course, Ken Ong, former Melbourne City Councillor, is heavily involved out there. Shout out to Ken if you're listening. <laughs> I, know, I know he's not. But, you know. We'll shout him out anyway. Uh, I guess, you know, Jill, the same sort of question for you is, like, you know, obviously working with collaborations, is that one of the fun things about owning a bar? What's the best thing about yeah. owning a bar? Getting up early in the morning to clean the toilets or something else? Oh, absolutely. That's... <laughs> That's the reason I get up in the morning. Yeah, that, that's yeah. what I miss most out of owning a pub. So. Yeah, yeah. No, no, Co-Lab's pretty cool. We've only done the one with um, Bells Beach, um, and that was really exciting. Fantastic that it worked out. Fantastic that they did it again for us this year. Um, so that was really good. Um, we haven't really done any other ones. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great actually getting the opportunity to deal with the breweries and speak to the reps and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. I'm going to ask a similar question. You may have heard I, when I was asking Adam before about, you know, that sort of signature memory of drinking beer in Cologne. Obviously, mm. drinking in Hong Kong, mm. experiencing a whole lot of different sort of beer culture and just sort of hospo culture in general. Mm. Is there a place over there or a place you've drunk around the world where you sort of go, oh, that was good. I'd like to get a little bit of that flavour, if not sort of replicating it perfectly, sort of in, in my bar? Yeah, I guess... We've always been interested in the local stuff, so local flavours, combining ingredients with, like, beer and kind of bringing food and beer together. So, you know, I guess in some of my selections, and obviously we all have inputs into what we bring into the bar, but, yeah, I've often, like, I order a lot of Sailor's Grave in because they use all the local botanicals and that sort of stuff. Heinrich, go back and check out episode 199, (laughs) I think, for the most recent visit from a strangely spelled David. Mm. (laughs) An amazing brewery. I've been lucky enough to visit and love their stuff. Yeah. They're a great example. So what have you got from Sailor's Grave? Give us a bit of a flavour of what's uh, what's on tap and what's in the fridge at the moment because I know your fridges have some excellently fun things in them. We do try and keep it fun. I forgot anything from Sailor's Grave on at the moment. You did earlier. Yeah, it's right there. Yeah, yeah, the Dark Emu. The Dark Emu, which I believe is flavoured with native salt bush. I could be wrong. Go back and listen to episode 199, because quite genuinely, that's one of the beers we're drinking on. That was a ripper beer. Yeah, Yeah. it's really good. Uh, Yeah, I love um, native grains. I think native grains and seeds was the, yeah, Mm. is the... The, inter- the fascinating bit about that, well, I find it fascinating. I think a man just strangled a goose out the front of the car. <laughs> yes, oh, no. <laughs> it's okay, it was just a man trying to stop his incredibly large bike. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, no. Um, Doug, given that we've now worked out which one you are, <laughs> this is going to keep going. Well, this is going to keep going. Yeah. And, and also by we, we mean oh, you. Me. Yeah, mainly me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we thought, yeah, let's go back to your, your journey, given, given we're talking a little bit about, about bits and pieces. Um, so now as the, now, now very much in the scene where you get out and in the trade, um, where did you start 
where did your journey start within the trade? How did you get going in, in hospitality? I guess it, it kind of goes back... You were talking earlier about your sort of early beer experiences. When I was an eight, fresh 18-year-old, I moved over to the US and drank my first ever pale ale. It was mm. called Magic Hat Number no. 9. It was a little brewery outside of Boston, um, and it was my first experience of drinking anything bar a CUB product um, growing up. And from that point onwards, I knew that that was what I wanted to be drinking. Um, I had a little bit of a, yeah, sort of watershed moment. Yep. Um, uh, went on a sort of a journey, lived in the UK for a long time, did a lot of hospital background stuff, but always loved beer, like always. Yep. Um, and then obviously my opportunity when I moved home to, to work with the boys here um, presented itself. I jumped at the opportunity and it was only sort of sort of 16 or 17 months ago um, I, I came on board um, doing some, some rep and brand, brand ambassadorial stuff. Um, and it comes from a fundamental appreciation of the beer. Like um, I spent so many Friday nights sat at the end of the bar going, geez, this tastes good, geez, this tastes good. It just becomes a natural progression for me to go out and just tell other people that I think it tastes good. Yeah. Um, and I think I did mention at the start, Doug talks a lot as well. <laughs> <laughs> what I want to know is, like, were you going home every Friday night at 10.30, 11 o'clock and going, no, no, I promise you, my lovely wife, I'm really close to getting a job there. All I've got to do is keep going back for a couple more Fridays. Well, my first inclination of employment with these guys, I wrote my own position description. So um, that, that's how committed I am to it. And was it involving sitting in one particular chair at the bar? Or it was like, I will, yeah. Um, so that's sort of my, my background. Um, and working with these guys, this, this is my first rep job in craft beer. Um, and I'm, I'm, I feel as involved in the story as, as the guys do. And I wear it every day and um, I believe in it. I try not to blow too much smoke up his ass, but Fair. one of the really good things with Doug is he's, he's been very sort of prevalent in the Ospo side of the world, like as a bar as a bar runner. Mm-hmm. So in terms of having some empathy for what to do as a sales rep, when you're bombarded with these guys all day, every day, um, he brings a real kind of unique flavour to it because he because he knows Hospo from the other side really well. For a Corona drinker, that's pretty remarkable. <laughs> if there's any venue managers out there listening, I will never come during service. <laughs> that is, like, that you know, is, yeah, you know, I reckon in, that like, says a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, from anyway, your point of view, what makes a good rep? You, you obviously hear people come yeah. and knock on the door a lot, yeah. usually during service. Um, Not so much, but yeah. But what makes a good rep? What excites you if someone was trying to turn you onto a new brewery, for instance? Someone who's excited about the product that they sell, someone who's easy to deal with, and someone who listens to what you need. And yeah, that's, I guess that's something Doug's done. He's great rep. You did well. Uh, yeah. Fundamentally, we, we, we operate in a really amazing beer landscape in this city. Um, there is so much great stuff out there. Mm. And a lot of the time, the difference between whether people want to stock our beer or somebody else's beer is the relationship that they have with the people. So... Um, Building rapport and, and getting to know people and being invested in their business um, is, is pretty important to me. Um, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I like that. Don't bears, Warren and I both <laughs> run a number of failed, you know, Oslo <laughs> enterprises. We <laughs> can totally empathise with this idea. <laughs> I'll cut that bit out, Warren, honestly. Just make it just... No, 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 I love it. I, as a man, <laughs> just just no, 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 we've, we've both done our fair share of running failed businesses. Um... Oh, God, where are we? I'm, why do we have a question sheet where I don't refer to it? This is a question I often ask myself, <laughs> actually. <laughs> um, have, you got, have, you, have you got a favourite part about, about this journey of, of guy repping, repping bells and, and, you know, something that you actually enjoy? Like, uh, is there, is, apart from going out to 
particular surf breaks down the surf coast <laughs> than going to their local pub. Is there a particular bit that really that really the, drives... I, the, the thing that I enjoy the most, and it's going to sound a, a wee bit cliche, is that when you go out there and, and venues reciprocate the energy that you have for the product that you know that you're onto something good. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me to go in and bounce in and go, hey, I've got this thing, it's really great, what do you think? And they go, actually, yeah, I agree. Um, that provides real sort of concrete evidence that we're on the right path. And um, it makes work pretty easy, to be honest. Um, go out and talk with real passion about something because the people that you're talking to will understand it, fundamentally agree with it. Yep. Um, it's, well, I'm not trying to sell ice to Eskimos. I'm selling good beer to good people that run good venues. And um, that's sort of the ethos of how I try to operate. And, um, yeah, it works well. Cool. One of the things I love about Doug's approach, though, because that is something that's very true, but <clears throat> Doug's a sportsman, right? And he's got this real competitive... That's why he's struggling to walk around today. There's actually a number of us that are struggling to actually physically move. Doug, I believe you bowled. I bowled bowled yesterday and it hurt, yeah. You bowled cricket. I bowled lawn bowls, which is indicative (laughs) of our respective ages. And I am the broken one. But uh, one of the things that I observe with Doug's kind of approach is when it's not an easy sale, when someone's actually turned down... He sees that as a challenge. He's like, right, I'm selling you beer. If you yeah. <laughs> really have to give it to you, you're going to have yeah. some of our beer. And I know, I, and I've, I've given beer to people before. I shouldn't give away my secrets. Edit that. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all, I, I think that's really great. I think there's a lot of great things to take out of that. That, that Yeah, just finding people, A, finding people who, who kind of understand what you're trying to do and be just that competitive. I love that competitive edge. Of well, the reality is, is that our industry yeah. is hyper competitive. Yep. And, and, and if you look at the, the slice of the independent market in this country is, is really, yeah. really small. And there's a heap of us having a go at it. Yeah. Um, and much love to them all. But, you know, we are in competition with each other. And ultimately, you need to bring a, a more polished, better priced product. And um, often it's the relationships that you have that can set you apart from your competition. So, um Am I competitive? Yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, should we, should we do one more uh, little break and we'll get on to the last beer of the afternoon? Please. Well, we're back here. It's episode 202. The sun is still shining on this lovely spring afternoon at Masterson's, a place that I feel very at home. It was Cox Plate Day yesterday in Mooney Valley. I walked past Saintly's Colours out there, uh, out behind the bar. What a magnificent part of the world it is to be in. So many fun things coming up at Masterson's. We're going to ask Jill all about that later on. But we have a wonderful beer in front of us. Mr Warren Wu, do you want to take control of things and get us underway on this tasting of the title shift number nine? I thought we were... I wasn't going to ask any questions, but here we go. <laughs> yeah, um, West Coast IPA. I'm glad that I get to talk about this because it's my one of my favourite styles. It's my... Yeah, I think it's a go-to of mine. Um, it sounds like it's a go-to of yours too, uh, well, of, of the brewery. Um, is a, It sounds like a style that you guys really, really enjoy brewing and really enjoy drinking. Yeah, I guess uh, one, one of the main influences is we had a, a, a brewer from LA, Austin... Yep. Shout out to Austin that plays a part life now. Um, and he had some really staunch ideas of what a West Coast IPA needs to be. Yeah. Um, I'm actually one of my favourites of the title shift. It's a series of IPAs. We did a double West Coast. It's one of the best beers we've ever made. It was fantastic. Um, so, yeah, he, he kind of, I guess, kind of wrote the rules of how we do West Coast IPAs. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a great example of that as well. Like, you know, 
probably a little bit dry. A lot of people put crystal malt in. We don't know crystal malt. That's kind of like, put crystal malt on it. You can't call it a West Coast IPA. Um, and then this one is uh, unique. Or, you know, we, we use the series as, a, as an opportunity to try different pop characteristics and top different mm-hmm. products. This one's got Hop Keith from New Zealand. Uh, What's his name, Keith? The old Kiwi Keith. I believe he and Mick just put out a new album. So. <laughs> I reckon Heinrich and Keith are going to go. So, yeah, it's got a combination of Galaxy and Eclipse from Australia and then uh, Murtaweka and Wakatu in upkeep form. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, just a bit of brewing nerdy stuff. It's a, it's a hop extract, so it pulls all the flavour and aroma. Yeah, so pretend I don't know anything about that and uh, educate me as if I'd never heard of it before. Mm. And so, you know, for a big dry hop beer, um, you don't end up losing like 100 litres of beer into the pop material, basically. Yeah. Um, and you get all the good flavours and aromas in a, in a kind of 250 mil pack that's like mm. five kilograms of beer. Um, I'm really fascinated. What were Austin's rules about? about Westies. What, yeah, did you, so what did you, yeah. The main one that was around not having crystal malt in. Yep. Um, probably a lighter colour than I would do a West Coast IPA if I did it myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I reckon it's a, weird, it's a weird thing. I reckon it's a little bit lighter than, than uh, who's that Who's that West Coast IPA brewery that does the torpedo that I really... Sierra Nevada. Do. Thank you. Such a forgettable, <laughs> that, yeah, such yeah, a forgettable just, name just a small, in the beer industry. Just a small <laughs> brewery. It's, yeah, and, just uh, a, and no one's ever heard of those yeah, guys. Those up-and-comers. Those up-and-comers. Yeah, that's one of these. Um, yeah. Sierra Nevada's, uh, all their IPAs tend to be a little bit darker too. So I reckon well, they'd be with I mean, you. Yeah. Austin surfed on the West Coast for you know twenty years, right? Yep. And like he he didn't probably didn't drink Sierra Nevada, he was drinking the, the Bell's Beach brewing equivalents. Like oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um and I guess that's that's where he got his staunch beliefs. Yep. Yeah. Because it's one of those questions we ask particularly about West Coast IPAs, is that sort of almost third generation that are going through the market now, which we sort of refer to a bit, they're not the old Sierra Nevada style. No, no, no. But when we hear staunch we go, oh, is it Old school. It sounds like it's almost new school. Yeah, yeah. there's another. There's another bunch of staunch kind of West Coast. And when an guardians. English guy is trying to argue with a guy who's from California about a West Coast IPA, you have to. Yeah, no, I'm to say that. Yeah, yeah, but if the English guy owns a brewery. <laughs> <laughs> I did try I, that once. I did. Know. I didn't go. Uh, okay, I'm okay with that too. Actually, yeah. Um, and is this one of those styles that you sort of see emerging? I guess you know, both in the brewery, but also out on the road. Is that sort of are people coming back to West Coasts a bit? Oh, look, the world of IPA, I don't think is ever going to go away, particularly in an independent sense. Mm. Um, particularly through COVID, I think everyone kind of explored their palate a little bit. Um, Yep. Drinking at home and... and, and That's being... certainly what I argued I was doing. Yeah, you know? exploring your palate. <laughs> Two o'clock in the morning, now I'm exploring my palate. <laughs> um, uh, where there wasn't the, the ramifications of ABV in a public, yeah. <laughs> public setting and whatnot. Um, so I think there's a, there's, there's a fundamental appreciation for IPA in general. Yep. Um, um, West Coast, doubles, neepers, what it may be, um, hazies. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that that's... You look at all the big boys and, and they're constantly pumping out IPA limited releases and we're no different. Um, in terms of a craft beer sense, I mean, it, it just bloody, it's the antithesis of, of craft beer. It, it tastes fantastic and, and hops are the, the backbone of independent brewing. So um, this is, there's no better style to, to showcase that. So um, I think it's pretty strong. We see sales are always pretty good on it and 
um, yeah, long may it continue. There's always new hops coming out as well. Like, you know, there's a lot of investment in hop genetic engineering and stuff. Mm -hmm. and the two before this one were, um, we did the same base beer and then we got a small amount of Vista and HBC 568, which aren't commercially available yet. Enough to make 600 litres. So we did a 200 litre batch, split it in two fermenters and dry hop with the different hops. And, you know, two fundamentally different beers. One was very stone fruit, one was very citrus. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of like a, it's a nice palette for, for brewers. And, you know, there's a lot of really interesting cutting edge stuff in the hop world that's kind of you know, pushing all those, all those boundaries. Mm. So, yeah, from a brewing perspective, it's kind of a really interesting space. Um, Adam, I suspect that you probably are of a similar, uh, we'll put it at Dave's way, generation of, of West Coast IPA drinkers as I am. And we grew up in a time where, a, a beer just couldn't be bitter enough. Um, I've noticed that this, and it's a great beer, it's a delicious, lovely drinking beer, well-balanced, uh, all the things all, that you could almost session. Um, is, there, is there any desire market out there to make it more bitter? Is That's, there? I mean, it's kind of like we almost got out to make bitter beers for a time. Yeah, yeah, totally. And the reason we didn't make this one bitter is we wanted to really highlight the hop. Yeah, yeah. flavour and aroma perspective. Um, but like that double West Coast, for example, so, I mean, it wasn't yep. 100 RBU kind of hot bomb or anything like that, but like, you know, it had a really firm, stiff backbone of bitterness that lingered mm. on the tongue. For me, as a, as a beer drinker, like, I look for that. Like, I, you know, yeah. I, I really enjoy that kind of that bitterness. Yep. Um, and it is something that we kind of almost went away from you know, as yeah. an industry. Like, you know, Absolutely. A year or two ago, probably down at 10 RBU, but like, you know, you crack the can from a metre away, you can smell the hops straight away. So. Yeah. We do have a little bit... So our, our Posso's IPA, which is our sort of core range IPA, mm -hmm. the IBU sits at nearly 60 on that. Um, so that is quite a like a big-bodied sort of like biscuity IPA. Yep, yep. Um, do you, when you're here at the bar, have you seen any sort of things happening sort of trend-wise, people getting back into the West Coasts, or, you know, do you just impose what it is that you want to be drinking on the good people of Mooney Ponds? Oh, I try not to impose too much, but I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no fun in opening an bar unless you I impose your beer taste. So. And you know what, I figure if I'm going to serve it here, I, I need to like it. So we try and only put beers here that we like. Um, I guess what we've noticed over six, almost six years we've been open is the... People's willingness to try new things, like lager and pale ales will always be a staple here. But, you know, people who were drinking lager and pale ales five years ago are now coming in and trying everything that we've got on tap and being much more willing to try different things and just being more familiar with different styles as well and kind of knowing what they like, which I think is fantastic. It's cool. So. Mm. And with summer coming around the corner, I guess, you know, here at the bar, and we'll also ask about the brewery, are there things that we should be looking forward to sort of having on tap down here? Are you going to make sort of, you know, some... Do you, do you have different beers for summer, I guess, rather than winter? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we don't generally have dark beers on tap in summer. Um, yeah, so this is the great controversy in the core room, is stout a summer beer or not. But you have to have it in the Yeah, I see the crowd, is, it's, they're arcing up now. It's still going to be in the fridge, so it's all good. We've and got Kim and Luke will still come here regardless, I know. Hopefully. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, in summer we'll have, probably we'll probably run more than one sort of lager style beer, more than one sort of pale ale, you know, that sort of thing. Um, there'll always be a sour on in summer. We've had a ginger beer on 
we still have the ginger beer on here, um, which we've never put on before. Um, last time, last year we had a cider on tap. We're not doing that this year. We're going with the ginger beer instead. So, yeah. I mean, even with eight taps, it's never enough to put on everything that you want to have on. But yeah. And how about down at the brewery? Are there things that you're cooking up for summer specifically that people are going to get to enjoy? Uh, yeah, our next title, uh, our next limited uh, release in the title shift range will be a, a mid-strength hazy, which is due mm-hmm. at the end of November. Um, can design looks great. Early indications out of fermented look fantastic. We're really excited about that. Um, I love the way you say that. It sounds, you know, it sounds more like a stock market report than you hear. <laughs> Early indications out of Fermenter are. Well, yeah. we, we pull it, we, as, it's, as it's kind of going away, we pull it out and drink it. And yeah, we're, we're excited about it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, it, it's an interesting one in terms of trends down there, in, in, in the sense that the guys have, we've done a really good job of activating our space. We do a lot of live music and a lot of comedy and stuff in our, in our Torpedo Tap Room. And Deliberately? Well, just trying to get bodies. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so not necessarily people are, are visiting because they're looking for a West Coast double IPA or an Imperial Stout, but they're there because they want to see their friend's band play or the comedian that's on. So um, we've got a really broad range at the moment. So we've, we're getting really good traction with some of our sort of lower elk, um, easier drinking stuff. We think out of the back of – I personally believe out of the back of COVID that potentially lagers, pilsers, sort of middies, um, I think there's a little bit of, bit of opportunity in that sphere. Um, and we've got a, yeah, a, a really excellent um, limited coming out in that, that sort of mid-strength hazy. Um, we do a few sales as well. So we did a, a Katharina sale style, so really, really heavily fruited. Uh, Rincon Raspberry that we did a special three years ago. Mm-hmm. Sold out the first batch before we could even get the second batch out from Mensa. So it got a real good pull through. That's become the core range now. And off the back of that, we've done a series of different sours. I can't remember the next one. Mango and... Guava. Guava. Yep. I believe some of those might be in the fridge here at, uh, at Masterson's. We've got the Rink and Raspberry, yeah. We We've got the um, Pale Ale. We do. Point Addis. Yep. Yep. Um, the Trans Tasman that we just tried. Raglan Haze. Which is our all New Zealand hazy IPA, which is a, a, a lovely sort of yeah, hazy. Yep. yep. So there's plenty of good stuff here. And the cold as well. We've yeah. got that in cans. Great. Um, I think now would be a good time to ask our traditional cool room question. So just pulling the curtain away from, uh, well, um, yeah, the, the lives that we all lead in, in brewing and, and hospitality. Um, so uh, whoever wants to grab the mic first, what is the craziest... Uh, most explosive. Most explosive. That's you. Uh, most explosive is usually pretty good. Amazing, strange thing you've ever seen in a cool room. And of course, a cool room can be any car brewing or uh, brewing or beer manufacturing or vehicle you manufacturing. Don't have, that's right, you don't have <laughs> yeah. to mention which major regional university you worked for at the time <laughs> yeah, that's uh, in that cool room. So when we first died, so uh, we had um, a guy who did some smoked meat for us as a food offering at the bar. Butcher and a, and a chef. I um, both like and am worried by where this, <laughs> yeah, is, this going. is going. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so we were, we were thinking of things to do for our first new... Baby and I will be open in December, so we've like a couple of weeks old. What are we going to do for New Year's? And one of our... The, the farmer who took our grain... Can you get us a pig? Yeah, do a pig roast. Awesome. And, uh, so on New Year's Eve, Mitch walks in at like 10 o'clock with this recently you know, killed pig yeah. on his shoulder. <laughs> 
and it's, it's wrapped up in the duvet, so it's like a duvet. Like <laughs> like yeah. So I'm sort of thinking, just like you know, Unabomber style, dragging a body in in a similar duvet. sort of thing, so, in a wrapped up in a carpet or something. Oh, it's a pig. That's a happy surprise. So anyway, I don't know what to do with the pig. So I rang um, Andy's name. Is look, dude. What do we do with this pig? Is I'll come down and sort it out in a bit. Like, you know, just some, some work I need to do outside of normal people that could upset people if they saw it. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I won't ask too many questions. So, anyway, he went into the cold room to, with the pig. <laughs> and our, our landlord... Here's the T-shirt. <laughs> the landlord came and introduced himself for the first time. We'd never met him. And uh, in the meantime, we've built a brewery in his space and we've cut holes in the floor and all this sort of stuff. And he's like... And uh, he's walk, kind of walking around, we're showing him around. He's like, his finishing comment was, oh, God, I you guys go bankrupt because you just built me the best man cave I've ever seen. <laughs> and then I open up the cold room door, and there's Andy with a big meat cleaver chopping the head off his dead pig. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> that was the weirdest thing I've This comes yeah, with the man cave. <laughs> we give you a big. <laughs> Every man cave comes with a complimentary <laughs> man with a meat cleaver. <laughs> I love it. I guess for me, I, and I put my wholesale hat on when I tell this story, was I, I had a phone call a little while ago saying, your beer's doing really well, the venue where we've got lager on tap. Um, but the feedback on your beer isn't, isn't fantastic. It's not sort of true to style. Can you come down and take a look at it? And I went down there, and they were, they were going through a heap of lager, um, and I walked in, and they just had their, their lines um, connected incorrectly. And he had a West Coast IPA um, on the lager tap and had sold through kegs and kegs and kegs of house 4% lager and everyone being geez this tastes a little bit grassy <laughs> and he couldn't figure out what was going on and I went down there and yeah sure enough um, so another brewery benefited really well and had a great weekend of sales but, um, yeah. but no one liked the beer <laughs> but no one liked the beer um, and we were getting some weird untapped reviews being like this lager is, is really full on <laughs> um, it was a pretty quick fix thankfully <laughs> it's awesome <laughs> It's pretty and, great, and like, and you can understand how it happens. Like I'm, as, as it happens, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's six o'clock on yeah. Friday night. It's nuts, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and work experience kid is going in to change the game. <laughs> You're like, wow, that is a that's a grassy lager. <laughs> and Jill, how about yourself? Times in the cool room. Oh, cool room. <laughs> well, I guess as a 21 year old doing a traineeship in England, I was in the cool room one day working in the kitchen and um, uh, turned around to leave the cool room and I had the chef standing there, locking the doorway, waving a big sausage at me. I'm like, okay, that's a bit confronting. Got out of there quick smart. And, and is that when you wanted the cleaver from, uh, <laughs> from the earlier that. story? That's, 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 that's the way joking. to deal with a chef's large sausage. He was just joking around. <laughs> <laughs> that's another T-shirt. That is another T-shirt. T-shirt. <laughs> I just told him where to go and left. Yeah, very wide and yeah. very rightly so. I'm, I'm, why are you looking at me, David? No, I'm no, just I, to I, see I, how long that silence would go before you said something. <laughs> We've got some audience audience cool questions audience here at Masterson's. Yeah. We've already got a couple lined up from uh, committed cool rumours. If there's anyone else in the room who wants to come and ask a question while we've got Bell's Beach in the room with us, it could be about the beers that we've got in front of us. It could be about other related matters. But we know we've got Chris back in the room with us. Chris, it's been a while. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, David. Um, I guess my question for you guys is, what's the brewer's drink? Is it a West Coast, or what do you guys reckon? 
my, my go-to when I'm in the bar, which is quite often, is uh, Pilsner. We do a really nice Pilsner. And again, it's a classic style, bars, hops. Easy drink. You can drink gallons of the stuff in a day, particularly day like today. So that would be my that would be my pick. And I guess it's a it's a brewer's choice. That's kind of a test of someone's brewing capability, right? If nothing, not nowhere to hide. If you've got any faults in the brewing process or whatever, it's going to stand out really clearly. I sort of have a vision of some sort of Masons-like sort of meeting of brewers that occurs, you know, on the third full moon of the year or something of like that, and everyone just brings their pilsner in or something. Is that is there's, there's definitely a, like if you get someone from the brewing industry and they try your pilsner, they give you like a little. Oh, it's a, you've kind of you feel like you've won, won the prize. I like it. Taking the box, James, here in the flesh. How are you, brother? Yeah, good, mate. Um, thanks, guys. It's been. Fun to hear more about Bells Beach Brewing. Um, now, I have a, a random question for you. So I really enjoyed you telling us about your connection to the coast, and I wondered if you thought about sort of taking that a bit further with some salt water and a goza or something like that? We have done a goza. We've done several gozas, and uh, Jono's big into uh, kayaking, and he's made his own kayaks. So if we do a goza, we'll, we'll go out about a kilometre off Cozy Point and we'll take... Um, jerry cans and we end up with two two jerry cans worth of salt water that we pour in the boil. Oh, kayak flavoured beer. I don't think we've ever had one of those. That's a... So I'll tell you another funny story of that. So he's got two kayaks that he's made himself. One's kind of quite wide and it's like more of a sea kayak and the other one's a bit more of a racing thing. And when I had a go in the racing one, I could paddle out okay, but then you try and pick 20 kilos of water out. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have your kayak and drink it too. That's clearly the... Uh, see what I did? That's my, my best work ever. We're joined by a new friend here at Masterson's. Come and jump in and grab the microphone. Introduce yourself and ask your question. G'day, guys. Tom here, a local uh, at Masterson's. I've just come back from Ocean Grove, and I was wondering... Um, two questions, actually, if I may be greedy. Um, firstly, what is it about the coast that you think is in um, sort of encouraging this new brewing wave of, the, you know, there's the guys in the industrial estate, there's the guys on Torquay, there's you guys. Um, I've just been down to the, um, the independent um, bottle on the main street there. They've got a new one Isaac. called Captain. Yeah, Isaac, yeah, Captain Brewing. Yeah, we make that. You make that. <laughs> um, and second question is, what's your favourite beer after a surf? Uh, can I say I like the wave pun you got in there as well about the, uh, the new wave of coastal breweries. <laughs> I think, I mean, in terms of, like, brewing on the coast, it's a holiday centre place, so, you know, the population probably goes up by a factor of four in Torquay over, like, between December and February. There's just loads of people, and um, I guess when we when we had this idea ten, over 20 years ago, there was no breweries in Torquay, and it was kind of like, hmm. And when we were talking our season around the town and normally wanted to buy it, everyone went, you know, we've got a posh brew, we've got Peroni on tap. Um, they didn't want to take a risk, and then when Blackman set up, it went really well, and like you know, it was like it was a good idea after all, and people really engaged with it. Um, so I think it's just you know, it's just a volume of people and people looking for stuff. People like local things if they go to a holiday place, they look for things with that's made in the town, or you know, what you know, show me something that I can't get somewhere else. That's really what drives it. So, did you meet, did you go to Brew Carlo in Ocean Grove? Yeah, it's um, it's always too many people there, so we have to go by. It's a bit like Ket, uh, Ket Bakery now. Always too many people in there, but um, I also like at Blackman's um, sitting in the, on that corner. It's just beautiful, and, and coming down the main street yesterday, absolutely dead on that terrace street, except for Blackman's at one end and Driftwood Cafe at the other. Mm-hmm. 
We need more stuff like that down the coast. Yeah, that's awesome. There's a bit of local colour. I like that. That's something we couldn't have brought to the show. So Isaac from uh, talk, uh, the, the Ocean Grove Cellars, yeah, he's, he's got great. the best. He's got and the he's best great. fridge in. So I, I, I like that. We kind of fight over going to do sales calls to Isaac because we always come back with some really good beers at someone else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I oh, not, not you guys. Than I sell when I go there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I picked up. I picked up a D's draft, two uh, juice trains, and a one of their stouts. Um, you know, start, middle, and end. That's classic. And he and his, and he, you know, he was talking to his old mate, and he. Um, so oh, yeah, me and my old man got wrecked the other night. It was just hilarious. It was classic old school. I think to touch on your first question there as well, there's been a, like a big population surge in the area. The Greater Geelong area is going through a bit of a renaissance in terms of, of population and urban development. So off the back of that, it's not just breweries, but gin distilleries and restaurants and whatnot. So that's all. That's all really, really exciting. Um, to answer your second question. Um, any of the, like the deeds, like pre-game stuff, like the mid-strength pale ales and stuff, I just, yeah, if it's not our stuff, um, it's pretty widely available down the coast. That sort of sits in my esky sort of post-surf these days. Is that what you sort of, when you pull the Coronas out and you're looking to put yeah, something Yeah, out absolutely. Yeah. So I, I, throw all the, I throw all the empty Coronas in Adam's car and then I'll drink a Deeds. <laughs> so I'm bringing sort of roundness and yeah, closure to our time together, my friends, by, by bringing us back to the Corona. Let's finish off. Let's make sure that people can find the socials for Bells Beach and for Masterson's and give us that little bit of a flavour about why we should be getting involved. What what events have we got coming up? Uh, not just Queens of the Stone Age performing live. Uh, <laughs> at you know, Bells Beach Brewing. At Bells Beach Brewing. And I hope at Masterson's as well. Please contact us for your tickets. <laughs> so uh, next week, actually, we've got like a little uh, pop-up beer festival in Port Arlington. If anyone you can get a ferry from Docklands down to Port Arlington. Um, long weekend uh, in, in the, uh, for the Melbourne Cup. A lot of people come down to Port Arlington. We've got like a, all the local breweries, well, not all of them, some of the local breweries, Blackman's, Brew Colo, uh, ourselves, obviously, Mount Pleasant. Uh, some so, nice you know, seafood as well, I hope. There'll be some great seafood. Um, so that's really exciting. And it's kind of like a... We've, we've taken... A, the, the craft beer kind of pop... Or um, beer festival has kind of got a bit stale, I think, my, my own personal opinion. The only people who make money out of that are the people who organise it. The breweries basically give all the money to them. I have been thinking about doing that for a while now. So, yeah, <laughs> good. I'm glad you think that's how it works. So, so now what we're doing is uh, do little pop-ups, keep it really light, keep it really simple. All the brewers can do it under their own producer's licence, so there's no real risk. If it falls down the rain, just pull the pins. No one's spending a load of money to get in there. Um, and everyone takes the money that they, that they take, so like, there's no one make, gouging a load of cash out of it. And then, you know, I guess what we've learned from our own venues is um, if you can create a, a kind of nice, cool space with a bit of music, some good offering of, and a wide variety of offerings, people will really dig it. You know, if it's not too expensive because no one's making... The bars can make money out of their wholesale beer and the, the retail, but there's not an overlord who's kind of making all the money for the system. And you, oh, I never those. thought of calling myself that when I ran the festival. That's even better. <laughs> overlord. You are the burgermeister. <laughs> Uh, it's a real opportunity, and because uh, it's because it, it's all done under the producer's license, it's really simple to set up. There's no kind of overburdening. You don't need to sell tickets or that sort of stuff. You can just pop up anywhere, pretty much. And Doug, give us those socials. Make sure we can find. You know. Yeah, absolutely. So at Bells Beach Brewing, Instagram, Facebook. Um, if there's anybody listening who's interested in um, some bit more information, I'd love to hear from you. Sales at <laughs> bellsbeachbrewing.com.au. Yeah, particularly um, if you live near, say, a major surf break. It's a... Absolutely. We've also got a little bit of representation in. We've got a little bit of representation in Melbourne now as well. So um, we would love to. Um, we'd love to hear from some of our cohort in Melbourne. But um, but yeah, give us a follow. Um, 
and yeah, if you're interested in, in our stuff, let us know, and we'll um, we'll come and say good day. And Gillian, it's obviously it's uh, it's not time for the Tour de France. The rugby league season is over here in Australia. Why should yeah. people be coming to Masterson's? Oh, just to experience the atmosphere here, have a chat, you know, drink some amazing beers. Um, yeah, we've got uh, live music every Saturday night. We've got a trivia night once a month, uh, last Thursday of each month. We've got Scatters Roost coming up next week. Um, yes. It sounds like there's an enormous number of reasons to come down here. Mr. Warren Wu is now off wandering around the venue, uh, enjoying everything else that it has to offer. It's uh, a beautiful space to be on a Sunday afternoon. We're very, very grateful to be here. We're grateful to the team for Bells Beach for coming out. And we're going to go and experience some of the awesome things that are in the fridge here at Masterson's. Thank you so much, everyone who's been here in the audience.